2: Hey, everyone. It's Adam, and you're about to hear a brand new episode of The Ass. But before you do, I need to explain something unusual that happened with this episode. Um, We had a guest on named Jordan Power, a Canadian podcaster who had just released a new memoir. Um, It was a lively segment. I thought that I was very kind and respectful toward him the entire time. I plugged the hell out of his book and raved about how much I enjoyed it because I really did. And he repaid me by going on his own podcast and trashing me and totally mischaracterizing our argument that we had about politics and conspiracy theories, which is really at the end of the interview, uh, because he's a become a right-wing conspiracy theorist, and I was trying to call him on his bullshit. Um, anyway... Even that, I didn't think that I was out of line or in any way offensive, but he went on his podcast, he trashed me, and what was worse is he wouldn't even say my name or the name of the show, The Ass. So his listeners can't even check us out and see what all the hullabaloo is about and whether or not he gave an accurate description of what I said or how I said it, which, by the way, he didn't. And so my response to this is I'm still going to air this episode of The Ass, but I've asked JB to go through and bleep every time we say the title of his book. It may seem petty to you, but you know what? Like I'm not into showing someone hospitality and going out of my way to prepare a segment and promote their, their project and say wonderful things about it and be kind and respectful to them and then have them shit all over me in return. I'm just not about that. And so, um, yeah, I'm doing what has to be done. We're going to delve more deeply into this next week. We have a live episode, and uh, we will spend some time on this. Uh, You will hear exactly what he said about me on his shitty podcast that nobody listens to. But in the meantime, enjoy this fabulous podcast that many people listen to, episode 189 of The Ass. Official Adam Sank Show merchandise at AdamSank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks—just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to AdamSank.com to order your merch today. Thank you.
1: to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material this is the adam sank show if it's
2: in my hand i'm gonna suck it powered by dnr studios <laughs> and
1: now the one, the only, adam
2: sank! hello welcome to the filthy whore show i'm a filthy whore we are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 5th, it's June. Happy Pride Month in the year 2021 at dnrstudios.com. The only place to hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen to anywhere else, please leave us your ratings and reviews on whichever audio platform you use. We recently hit 200 ratings on Apple Podcasts. Where is the applause? But I, thank you. Yeah. Two hundred is a good number. It's not a good enough as it's not as good a number as one thousand, which would really catapult us. And since we have over a thousand people listening to any given episode, if they all just gave a rating, imagine what it could do for this podcast. So, just a word to the wise: you can also email me. I actually got a random dick pic the other day. This is funny. I got a dick pic through my uh, website. The email address is adam at adamsank.com. And it was from this guy. And he goes, uh, I found you on Twitter and that brought me to your website. And here's my dick pic. Because my website says send dick pics here. Uh, and if you click on it, it just goes to my email. Oh, my God. He didn't even know about the podcast. He wasn't a listener. Amazing. Wasn't was it a just... nice dick? Yeah. It was kind of a strange dick pic because he had a one of those uh, tape measures next to it. But it wasn't. Hmm. It didn't really start at zero, so it was hard to figure out exactly how long it was. Hmm. It was nice. I said, "I thanked him." I said, "Please listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, like the Facebook page. Download the comedy albums. Get your official ass merchandise: t-shirts, tank tops, even a leash for your sub."
3: <laughs> the
2: link to all that merch is AdamSank.com. And remember that you can call the ass hotline anytime you want, even when we're not on the air. The number's eight zero four talk ass. Leave a funny voicemail, and we'll play it. Our guest today is Jordan Power, host of the unmentionable podcast, I'm stressing over this interview. Are you really? Yes. Jordan is a very interesting, controversial person. I think this might be uh, a similar interview to the one we had with Aaron Berg. Really? Yes. Yes um and i don't want to tell you too much more because i really want to save time for the interview itself but uh just know that anything can happen during this segment with jordan power um anyway the voice that you just heard is my lovable and porcine co-host ryan frostig welcome ryan hello adam
3: Hello, JB. Uh, Ryan, this is your last show for it quite is. a while. Tell I'm, the listeners what's Wait, more important. What? Taking a summer sabbatical. Oh, God, what's more important? I'm sorry. I everything. I <laughs> not, not you. Not you, oh. JB. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, first of all, you know, Adam wants availability years in advance. So, I'm a planner. So, um, and and because of the pandemic, we weren't really able to make plans until we knew we were vaccinated. And then everything started coming together. And it was just like... My friend is getting married. We have to go see my boyfriend's family. My other friend just had a baby. She's turning 30. Going to L.A. Uh, Yeah, a lot of stuff on the sketch. The summer is booked and blessed. I will, unfortunately. But the thing is, all of these things fall on recording days yeah. so every weekend that we're not recording i'm here i'm available we're just the way it's that a
2: lot of good that's doing us. yeah
3: no listen these are all good reasons to be traveling these are all
2: happy events yes. happy occasions Although, i salute you and i'm you. also jealous of you because my Summer calendar is wide open.
3: Well... I haven't been invited to anything. It, it'll just hang tight. But I will say, I am a little bummed because I am going to be out of town for Pride Weekend. I'm going to be in oh, Vermont no. with a bunch of... Well, I'll trickles. tell you what, Rye. Pride Weekend isn't going to be so special. There's no... The, the, it,
2: it's mostly virtual shit again. Yeah, but it's all the underground. next weekend... What July 2nd through oh, 4th? That's yeah, yeah. going to be like the unofficial Pride party weekend. Right. I've got tickets
3: to some massive parties that weekend. I will say I am I am thrilled, and I forgot to mention this last week. Drag Race uh, All-Stars is premiering on June 24th, which is a Thursday, mm. not on a Friday, which means I will be in town to watch Drag Race. Well, you could have also watched it out of town. No, I couldn't because I'm going to be with straight girls, and like Blech. they're not going to want to watch it anyway. Blech. So I will be missing both of you very much. Um, We'll miss you too. We have some fabulous guest co-hosts coming up.
2: Uh, I can tell you that Joey DeGrandis and yes. Joey Filan yes. will be filling in. At some point, Chris Harder will be filling in. We love it. The fam. We haven't had any of them on in a long time. So yeah. we'll miss you, but fuck you. Fuck uh,
0: you. Hey, I was going to say that. We <laughs> miss you, but fuck <laughs> you, guys. There you go. <laughs> you can't just take a vacation, especially if I can't get a no vacation. We got to talk about this. What do you mean? Listen.
2: Now that Cam knows how to do the show, you're welcome Bet. to take off.
0: Bet. So, because the streets Bet. are calling my name, and I'm going to the streets.
3: That's what the kids are saying these days. Oh, Bet. yeah? Is that the new? Uh, yeah. Good to know. It's not, it's not very new. This is,
0: Bet's been old. No, well. Since I was in high school.
3: Not, okay. Since we were in high school.
2: I've man, never heard
3: like, Bet before. The Gen Zers are all about I it.
2: When I say you love me, you say you better. You better, you better, you better.
3: And then we have Adam. I, Gen...
2: Always with the current references. Yeah. I'm singing a Who song from the early 80s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a question for both of you. And then I will answer have, has either of you had a sexual or romantic relationship with a guy who started out as your roommate?
0: I would have to have a roommate first. Never had, one. never had a roommate. You never no, had a roommate. And I don't have one now. Girl. girl I can't live with people. I think people. that's I like probably for the best. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Um, so Adam, you know this, but I mean, this isn't really, I had a roommate that crawled into bed with me. The straight guy with the amazing ass. Yes. Yeah. One drunken night. Um, and we, basically just cuddled he woke up the next day smiled got out of bed and then that was it it never happened again there was no romantic relationship in this but that's as close as i've gotten to to this so when i lived in atlanta Mm -hmm.
2: in the early 90s uh and and there was a time in my life especially in my 20s where i had no boundaries Mm. you know i i fucked my friends I fucked other people's boyfriends. I, I just didn't, nothing was off the table for me, you know? Sure. And I had this roommate, and uh, his name was Mark. They're always <laughs> named Mark. He was this southern queen who I was not attracted to, and uh-huh. we were literally just friends. You know, we worked, we worked at Macy's together. That's how we met, and then we became roommates, and he was, a, he was a hoot. He was fun. And then one night, late at night, he just showed up in my room and said, I want to suck your dick. Oof. And you know me. Yeah. I can't turn that down. There's really no one I wouldn't let blow me. Uh, Maybe, you know, a woman. But so I was like, okay. And he did a great job. And that was it. That's all he wanted. No reciprocation, no kissing, no cuddle, just suck my dick. And so then it became like a regular thing. Uh And it didn't really get awkward or problematic until I announced that I was moving out and moving back to New York. Mm. And then he got really nasty. Oof. And after I moved out, he promised me that he was going to change all the bills over to his name, and he didn't. So all these bills would come to that apartment, to me, unopened for months. And then my credit got fucked up, and I was, like, furious at him. Mm. And I was, like, what the fuck were you thinking? And I think that was, like, his little petty revenge on me because I think maybe he won- he actually had feelings yeah. for me, and he was pissed that I moved out. Anywho,
0: but he should have said something, though, like.
2: Well, he was a terrible person. Mark, if you're listening, I have no idea what happened to him. Mark, I can't find him online anywhere. I hope that he's still Mark, with
3: us. if you're listening, you're terrible. I
2: want my phone bill paid. <laughs> and even For though you were a
3: great dick sucker, you're a
2: terrible person. <laughs> anyway, the reason I asked this is because we're doing a Queer Tea story now from 2016. <laughs> I was like, wait, what are, what are we talking about? Here's a story from five years ago, <laughs> oh, ladies my God. gentlemen. I don't know how I, felt. I, I found this.
3: Uh, uh,
2: but it's the... Oh, wait. Is that the wrong? Yes, here we go. The 10 signs that your roommate may actually be your boyfriend. Mm. So this is if you're a man and you have a roommate, here are 10 signs that he may actually be your boyfriend. Number one, you Netflix and chill many nights during the week, progressively sitting closer to each other each time. Mm -hmm. Number two, most of your texts have smiley faces at the end, even the ones that say, don't forget tonight is trash night. Number 3 you cook him amazing dinners. Afterwards he says something like, "Sit. Enjoy your wine. I'll do the dishes." Oh my god. <laughs> Number 4 you consider his closet fair territory including the underwear drawer. Number 5 you're very familiar with how comfortable his bed is and you sometimes wake up in it after a night of drinking. That's what happened to you with the yeah. straight guy. Yeah. You woke up in your bed. You-, yeah. you woke up with him in your bed. Yeah. Number 6 he starts acting super awkward whenever you have a guy over. Um, um. Keep going. Number seven, your inside jokes with each other annoy the hell out of your friends. Number eight, you're on a first-name basis with his entire family, including obscure family members like a sister-in-law's cousin. Number nine, you've liked his last ten profile pics, and you've taken two of them.
0: <laughs>
2: and number ten, you buy premium toilet paper because he has sensitive skin, and you know he likes it. And then there's a bonus uh, sign, which is, he whispered "I love you" into your ear while he was inside of you. Oh my god, that's a good sign that your roommate is your boyfriend.
3: What I was going to say is that a lot of uh, some of these reminded me of my other former roommate, Derek. Hey, Derek, he's not listening. But we we were very much a couple in terms of like when we were home. It was very like we have our shows, we have our like our language. We had our fights that felt very yes. you know, relationship-like, um, but some of the things that you just said from the list are: uh, if you're having this relationship with your roommate, it is not a healthy relationship. You need to <laughs> well, like I said, re-examine. I think it's about boundaries. Yeah, and I think in your 20s, particularly, it's hard
2: to separate a friend from a boyfriend, from a roommate, from a lover, from you know, like we
3: just we're so excited to be with other people yeah. at that age, and in college too. Do you? I know it's been a while since you've had a roommate, but Do you prefer to have a roommate that you're friends with or a roommate that you're not friends with? Like someone that is a stranger or someone that you're really close with? God, I had so many terrible roommate situations.
2: (laughs) I think it's best when you guys are friendly and you can hang once in a while, but you're not the closest of friends. My best roommate ever was my straight friend, Michael. Uh, after graduate school, he, we went to grad school together and and we moved in together and it was perfect because like I did my thing, he did his thing. We were totally comfortable hanging out together, watching TV, but we didn't like make plans together outside of the apartment, you know? And, uh, I did, I will say I did wake up in bed with him once. Um, Mm. (laughs) we both had a New Year's Eve from hell, both Mm -hmm. of us for very different reasons and we both came back very early in the morning on New Year's Day fucked up. I was high, and he was drunk. And we literally just kind of looked at each other. We could see that the other person was really upset. We got into my bed, and we just held each other and cried.
3: Aww.
2: We never really talked about it.
3: That's so sweet. It was
2: sweet. He was a, he, he is a good guy. Yeah. Hi, Michael Broadhurst, if you're listening. Um, okay, so now let's Wait, get on to – s- Bef- Sorry, we, JB. Be-
0: before we move on to the next story, there's a story that we didn't do from last week. I'm real excited about it. It was the first one. Uh, the one that shows up to your apartment. Oh, yeah, yes,
2: So this happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this happened a couple weeks ago. Classic Adam. I uh, was working from home, as I do now every day, and my door buzzer went off. Now, I live in an apartment building. There's like 26 units in the building. If UPS or FedEx or Amazon or the Postman shows up, it doesn't matter what, which apartment he has a package for, they buzz me. I don't know why, but I'm the worst person to buzz because I have a dog who loses her fucking shit every Uh, time the buzzer goes off and barks for 20 minutes. So it's infuriating to me, but I've just kind of learned to live with it. So I get a buzz and ladies going crazy as usual. And I and then, you know, I I look into the little buzzer device and I see an unfamiliar face with a mask on, which is always what I see. And I'm like, hello. And I hear. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I guess it's a delivery person. I buzz them in. And I'm thinking that's the end of it. They're just going to leave the package in the foyer and go. Two minutes later, knock at the door. Now lady's like apoplectic, like she's fucking having a heart attack. I'm like, ugh, why are they knocking? I open the door, and there's this very beautiful black man standing there. And he starts to walk into my apartment. And I go, I'm sorry, what? can I help you? He goes, yeah, you invited me over. (gasps)
3: <gasps> and I go,
2: "No, I didn't." And he goes, "This is 4C, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, you told me to come over." And I said, "Was this on Grinder?" He goes, "Yeah." I go, "I haven't been on Grinder today." He's like, "Oh man, that's the address the guy gave me." I go, "Let me see." So he shows me the chat on his Grinder and it's someone who lives in the next building.
0: <laughs> so he
2: had the right apartment number but the wrong, wrong building, building number. So he's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. And he starts to walk away and I go, wait a second.
0: Ah, (laughs) Wait a second.
3: Thank
2: you. I was like, You're kinda hot. Would you like to come in? He goes, Okay. He goes, I gotta tell this other guy that I'm not coming. I go, Okay. So he comes in and we start to fool around and his dick comes out and it's like a nice size. And I start sucking it and it starts to get bigger. And then it gets bigger and then it gets. And every time I think it's reached its peak, it's like oh, continues to grow. But meanwhile, he's on his phone, like furiously texting with this other guy. And at a certain point, he just kind of stops me and he's like, I really got to go. He's really upset with me. I got to go.
3: Oh, and my I was like, god! Okay. I was like, can
2: I get your number? He's like, OK. So he gives me his number. I text him right away. Like, hey, it's me. We just met. I sucked your dick. And uh, I don't hear from him. And then, like, late that night, I was just lying in bed thinking about him. And I go, so, I said, was the other guy more or less fun than me? And he wrote back,
3: he was fun. Uh, okay. And that was all.
0: Okay.
3: Well, I mean, the fact that that even happened <laughs> is just... That's an only in New York story. It really yeah, is. it really is. And I have thought that I, I have... That has never happened to me on on either end, but I have been very close, or 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 like leaving my phone in someone's apartment and then thinking like, oh god, what what apartment was it? Like I have to go back and get it, like stuff like that happened has happened to me, but not not what you described. It's not That's amazing when you
2: think about it. It's not that surprising that it would happen in my neighborhood, which yeah. is almost entirely gay men. Horace Kitchen, uh, Horace <laughs> Kitchen is right, but um, Trevor. If you're listening, Trevor, (laughs) Trevor, I think he was Caribbean. He had an accent of some Mm. kind, and I couldn't quite place it. But he was very beautiful, beautiful face, beautiful body. Well, now he knows where you magical dick. He's just going to show up, you know, one of these days. (laughs) I I hope he gets another wrong number and winds up at my apartment. (laughs)
0: Uh, Meanwhile, thank you so much.
2: Thank, thank you for reminding me, JB, because I actually teased that story on Twitter, and then I ended up not doing it last week. So. I'm sure the listeners are furious
0: with no that. No problem. This is what I'm here for.
2: Speaking of furious, one of Kevin Spacey's accusers is furious that the actor has landed his first acting job since the whole uh, Me Too movement and all of the uh, revelations about his alleged sexual misconduct. Um, Spacey has been cast in the role of a police inspector in an Italian film called L'Homo Lo che Disegno Dio. The Man Who Drew God, for director Franco Nero. Spacey will appear in the film opposite uh, Vanessa Redgrave, although after this story broke, she came out in it with a statement that said, I am not acting with Kevin Spacey. So I'm not sure what's going to happen now. But as soon as it was announced, and, and this would have been his first project since 2018, Mark Ebenbach, one of Spacey's uh, accusers, came forward and tweeted... Actually, he shared his outrage with TMZ. He said, what the hell? He went on to call the casting absurd, particularly in light of the film's subject matter. Spacey's character in the movie is investigating a man wrongly accused of molesting children. Ebenbach added that he hopes the producers will rethink Spacey's casting, and that he's still waiting for an apology for the actor. Ebenbach claims Kevin Spacey harassed him on the set of the movie Outbreak, soliciting him for sex in total, 15 men have accused Kevin Spacey of misconduct. I didn't know it was nearly that many, ranging from groping to attempted rape. It's Several wrong. accusers were underage at the time of their uh, interactions with him, among them Anthony Rapp of Rent and Star Trek Discovery, who launched a lawsuit against Spacey and was really the first person to come forward, uh, actor-director Tony Montana, Harry Dreyfus, the son of Richard Dreyfus, and actor Robert Cavazos. You know, I had a feeling this might happen. Mm -hmm. The Me Too movement was such a whirlwind and there were so many men accused of so many heinous things and people, the American public has such a short attention span that it's like after a while you just kind of forget, you don't care anymore. You've moved on to to other outrages. When I think about the fact that like Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman had some of the most heinous... Allegations made against him: a woman that he did a play with on Broadway mm-hmm. in the '80s claims that one night when she was when she walked off the stage into the wings, he reached up under her dress and like fingered her. My God! And and that wasn't the only allegation. And Dustin Hoffman never stopped working. It was right. like okay, moving on. A lot of these guys just kind of skated past their accusing their accusations, and it looks now like Spacey. I mean, it's an Italian movie. It's a small movie. It's not, right. a, but. You make you do one project, then you can do another project, and then it's like it never happened.
3: Yeah, I mean it happened to Mel Gibson. You know, he's totally he's back to doing films, directing, being nominated for Oscars and Golden Globes. Mel Gibson was recorded telling his wife, "I hope
2: you get raped by a pack of n words," and is still has a still has a viable Hollywood career. How is that possible?
0: Because he's white.
2: Okay, but a lot of other white people who have done things that were not even that serious have been canceled. Why doesn't Mel Gibson get canceled?
0: She's why she has money, and she has friends in high places. I don't I, get it.
2: And I he was know. a wife abuser. He doesn't, like, and, and he's anti-Semitic. He denies the Holocaust. Again,
0: it's like all the wrong people get punished. I'm sorry, all the wrong people don't get punished. I don't look... Wait, I fucked that up. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Thank you, please. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Well,
2: it'll be interesting to see if he does end up in the movie and... and uh...
0: I hope he doesn't, because like that casting is so bad. It was like... As soon as you said the, the, the prophet, like, he's investigating a child molester. supposed a child molester. I'm
2: like, Seems <laughs> a little tone deaf. The other thing about Spacey is he never apologized. He never took any responsibility. He basically no, was he like, I'm gay. Yeah. He used it as his coming out platform. Speaking of which, uh, Colton Underwood is back in the news this week.
0: Oh, Lord.
2: He invited fans to ask him questions on Instagram. That was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was, because one Instagrammer asked the 29-year-old former bachelor, how many guys have you done things with? <laughs> now, remember, Colton had just given this interview where he admitted to fooling around with guys before being on The Bachelor, even though yeah. he, he was supposed to be this virgin bachelor. Right. He said he never had intercourse, but he did hook up with guys. And then he talked about going to a bathhouse just to watch and blah, 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 blah. So I think it's a perfectly legitimate question. For someone to say, how many guys have you, quote, done things with? Mm-hmm. Colton responded, let me vent for a second. Questions like this are inappropriate. I understand you might know me from The Bachelor where I shared a lot about my personal life. I have set boundaries and I'm respecting myself in a way that will lead me to a healthier life. I never asked to be labeled as the virgin bachelor and have people feel the security to ask me questions about my sex life. It just happened, and during the time, I thought I had no other choice but to just go with it, and the network would be mad. I know differently now. I'll share what I want, and this won't be one of those things.
0: No, 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 no. Because when they were saying, I remember exactly when they were calling her the Virgin Bachelor, she was riding that high horse <laughs> like it was a ride fucking dick all over this treatment. So I don't want to fucking hear it that when you, when you went out on an interview and they said, oh, I did mess around with men. And people ask you, what'd you do? Don't be like, this is inappropriate. It bothers my spirit. Shut the fuck up. It's the goddamn question, you dirty hoe.
3: <laughs> I also Yay. feel like, um, you know, just because you haven't had intercourse doesn't mean you weren't, like, a total fucking whore. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, oh, I, was, I didn't have Look intercourse. But I rarely I... have intercourse, and yet, you know, yeah, I'm with a, know a different what? dick every day. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just...
0: uh, Horrors
3: unite. Horrors unite. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you're gonna, uh, what did you call this when we started the horror podcast, (laughs) the Filthy Horror Show? The Filthy Horror Show. It really is for so many
2: reasons. Uh, You know, he, you can't have it both ways, Colton. Right. You can't try to make a living off of your romantic and sex life, which is what you're doing when you go on The Bachelor. Yep. And then give multiple interviews about your sex life and then be pissed off when you say, ask me anything. And it's not even that invasive a question. I would have been like, how big is your dick? Is it cut or
3: uncut? Are you a (laughs) top or a bottom? Have you ever felched? I mean, these are the questions I would ask. Also, if you're on like an Instagram live and I'm sure he's getting like 100 questions a minute. Right, you don't just ignore it. Just ignore it. Ignore just move it. on. He have really your... does want it both ways. That that is exactly right.
0: Which is why she can In his mouth
3: case. and his ass. There you go. Both ways. <laughs> Eiffel Tower. Speaking of which, Australian pop
2: star Troy Sivan appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. I'm sure mm-hmm. you saw this, Ryan. Yes. And um, he created a few gasp-worthy moments on the show. Um, this was the singing challenge. When the girls, when the queens had to write a pop song, and I guess he was like an advisor.
3: Queens, don't under.
2: And so he was giving his advice for what, for songwriting. And uh, here's what he had to say. We've written songs about everything from our youth. To flowers. To getting fucked hard in the asshole. Like a pig bottom, bareback bottom, raw dog bottom bitch. Okay,
3: whack! <laughs> wait, wait, wait! These are things you can't say on pig American bottom, television. bottom, bareback, bottom bitch. Bo- he, no, he oh, added. I, he added some more words pig, that are on under- the. It referendum. was pig
2: bottom, bareback bottom, raw dog bottom bitch. Oh. Yeah, those are. <laughs> by the way, we're going to isolate that <laughs> and put that on my board for future use. Thanks. Great. I'll do that. Getting fucked. Wait, getting fucked. Had in the asshole like a pig bottom, bareback bottom, raw dog bottom bitch.
3: I mean, I, I, I don't. It again, I, I, I yeah, play played again. Play it again. Yeah, play it again. <laughs>
2: We've written songs about everything from our youth to flowers to getting fucked hard in the asshole. Like a pig bottom, bare back bottom, raw dog
3: bottom bitch.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so it's like good. Sounds like scripted for him. It's so good.
0: Like, she, she really just said youth and I was thinking the struggles of LGBT. And then she went, being raw dog, yeah, yeah, fun, but yeah.
3: I mean, Troy Savon is the ambassador for bottoming. I mean, uh, Bloom 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 is 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 all about it. And um, another thing that I want to add to this story, which is not included here, um, there was a little bit of um, of uh, Twitter flirting between him and Lil Nas X. Oh, thanks. and uh, that would be an interesting celebrity. That couple. would be an interesting little situation. He could be Troy X. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Troiks. Troiks 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 are for kids Meanwhile, in Michigan A uh, a judge named Jeffrey Middleton Has been, uh, you know He's like a regular state judge or whatever And he has this Zoom virtual courtroom Like many judges around the country And his virtual courtroom Has been getting a reputation There's been a number of like Ridiculous and funny things that have happened That people have recorded And the latest is a defendant Logged into his arraignment hearing, but his Zoom name, which was visible on the screen, was Buttfucker3000. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 And the judge was not pleased. Oh my God. The judge said, Your name's not Buttfucker3000, you yo yo. Log- <laughs> Logging into my court with that as your screen name, what kind of idiot logs into court like that? The defendant, whose name was Nathaniel Saxton, was momentarily kicked out of the virtual courtroom. When he returned, he apologized and explained (laughs) that his sister had set up the account. This is something Anna would do to me. Yeah. Using that screen name as an inside joke. That's a weird inside joke. Ultimately, the defendant was fined $200 for possession of drug paraphernalia, but it could have been a lot worse. The judge asked him, is your sister there? <laughs> Saxton said, "No, unfortunately, she is not." The judge said, "Well, tell her she almost got you put in jail for contempt of court." Oh, oh my God! What, what ballbuster! This is an important reminder to check your screen name before logging into any important Zoom meetings. I just think like Budfucker 3000 sounds like a
3: like an advanced like a po- like sex a, toy. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a, a a fuck machine. Like I would like the ass to be sponsored by
0: Budfucker 3000. 3000. I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. If I was a judge, I would laugh at that. That's the kind of humor we need in life. Like this judge is such a ballbuster. Crabby-ass lady.
2: We have a little bit of extra time so I want to go back to a story that we were going to do last week and uh, which, which I threw out, but I can I I think I have the gist of it. This is a uh, About an ongoing controversy here in New York and in other cities as well. New York City Pride has banned uniformed police officers from being in and around the march. And this includes banning the GOAL, the Gay Officers Action League. This is a group of out LGBTQ police officers who traditionally march in the the Pride March in uniform with their guns and their badges and represent themselves as, as openly gay officers. This is not a new controversy. This is not a new argument, but this year they actually went ahead and banned all uniformed officers, including the uniformed officers who are there to, to protect the the march goers and the attendees from any sort of crime happening. They are going to have to stand a certain amount of distance away from the march and not be like as visible as they have been in past years and the story has changed so many times over the past 2 weeks because initially it was announced that this is going to happen and then GOAL was like well this is bullshit like we are out gay people we have a right to march in our in in our own uh, parade or our own march and then Pride was like okay you can march but you have to take your uniforms off you can hold a sign that says Gold, Gay Officers Action League but you can't be in uniforms and then Goal was like no that's not a- okay we want to be in uniforms that's part of our pride I don't actually know the current status of this apparently the ban is going to go through 2025 too it's not just for this year this is obviously because of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and because many if not most Queer people of color do not want to see uniformed police officers in their march. They feel like the Stonewall Riot was an action against police violence and police oppression and discrimination, mostly by queer people of color. Mm -hmm. So to have police officers in the march, it would be kind of like if you had a Jewish identity parade and you had— a nazi group marching that's mm-hmm. how that's how it is seen by a lot of people of color and jb the last time this came up on the show you made your feelings very clear yes. that you were Completely in favor of banning yeah, I'm uniformed officers.
0: Still in favor. I still don't like the police. I know there are gay people in the police. Again, if you're gay, you couldn't go ahead and march. That's not the issue. My issue is with the rest of your squad. Yeah, and I'm still feeling, I still found I still I live in Brooklyn, and I still I still trust the Brooklyn police, even though I was gagging around with them two days ago. Queens fucked me up. <laughs> Queens, Queens really fucked me up.
2: Because of the experiences you've yeah, had there. You're saying yeah. it's better in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of these issues, and I wish we had more time to get into this. This is one of these issues where I truly see both sides. Yeah. I truly do. I I get it. I get that being a person of color, seeing a police officer in uniform is a terrorizing thing. Right. Be- for good reason. It gives for- me heart palpitations <clears throat> all the time. Exactly. And you shouldn't have to deal with that. You shouldn't have to experience that. At something that's supposed to be a celebration of your freedom and your uniqueness and your queerness. On the other hand, we need openly queer police officers. Yeah. We need them. They are going to make things better, just like... We need people of color to serve as police officers. That will make Aww. things better.
0: Uh, my community, is, uh, if you, okay, to the secret of black people, if you join the police officers as a black person, you're deaded from the community. We don't talk to you.
2: But but don't you see how that's a problem? But how does it get better?
0: We Listen, it's already too late for us. As black people, it's already too late. It's already too late. The police officers are a dead thing. Unless someone's coming in, destroying it, and rebuilding it. We we don't join it. We're not going to join it, but we stick to our rules. This is this is something that's not uh, going to change. So they this is why it's, so it's a
2: stalemate, and yeah. this yeah. is this is why, you know, police reform is so difficult. Is because everyone is so entrenched in in their feelings. And again, I I understand that I can't understand because I'm white and and police officers don't threaten me in the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say let go, march. Absolutely. Let them identify themselves. I support them for being openly gay and being a New York City police officer. That is not easy and that is important for our community and for our representation and for making sure that we get treated fairly and that our our brethren in the, in the POC community get treated fairly. But they don't have to wear their uniforms and they don't have to carry guns.
3: Right. There's no that's, reason for that. And I think that's what it really is all about is that it is – it's like – that thing, like, all cops are bastards, you know, it's like, you may know someone who is a cop and they may be a great person, but they as cops represent the system that has oppressed people of color and trans people. So it's, it's, on one hand, yes, it's great that there are gay uh, police officers. That's awesome. But the, the, the presence of them, the, the, the uniform itself represents all of this trauma and so if you if if at least you're removing the the uniforms the badges at least then you're not being triggered the people of color and it's like i, I imagine that it's triggering to see police officers
0: in uniform yeah but it's not the uniform i'm telling you right, it's the guns it's the guns well right but, guns. That, i like,
3: include that in like the right. whole but
0: i agree with you if they if the police officers didn't have their guns like pepper spray and tasers I'll be yeah. okay with them being there
3: But it's it's all of this. It's it's like it's the guns. It's the it's the tasers. It's the uniform. It's it's like showing up to an event like that in full regalia is threatening. Yeah, whether or not they're gay,
0: a pacifist convention is showing up with rocket launchers and other weaponry of destruction. Yeah,
3: whether or not the person wearing the all of these things is gay or black or whatever, it's just the visit like seeing. Mm -hmm. All of those things together in one package is triggering. Yes. Let's uh, move on to the Pride update. I just texted our guest.
2: Hopefully he will be uh, joining us momentarily. Today, June 5th, it's Motor City Pride in Detroit. It's going to be all virtual events for now, but uh, they will be doing live Pride events in September. So if you're in Detroit, check the Pride websites. June 6th is Sao Paulo LGBT Pride. Oi, tudo bem in Sao Paulo. Ryan is doing a whole dance number that I wish you guys could see. Then June 11th there's so many important prides going on. There's LA Pride, San Francisco Pride, Tel Aviv Pride with those big beautiful circumcised dicks. June 12th is Central Alabama Pride in Birmingham. June 13th Baltimore Pride. June 13th is also Long Island Pride in East Meadow. Oh my god. I had no idea there was Long Island Pride. Ryan is hilarious right now. I wish I had <laughs> this on video. Uh, Tri-State Black Pride in Memphis. And uh, it's June 17th. And finally, June 18th is Dallas Southern Pride. I have to tell you, with all these Pride festivals, some of them have virtual events, some of them have in-person
3: events, some have both. Check your local listings before you uh, head out to your Pride celebrations. Hearing that song, because there was a period of time where we weren't doing Pride updates because there was no pride happening and hearing that song just got me together so quickly and i had to let my body tell I'm glad you did it the story of my and uh,
2: our guest is now uh, calling in so i'm going to start the uh, the intro to him which is this our guest today is a comedian podcast host i first discovered him early in the pandemic when i started listening to his previous podcast shame on you On one episode, he got stoned and did a full discourse on the Netflix reality dating show Love is Blind. This is the show in which complete strangers get to know each other from opposite sides of a wall and only get to see each other after they've agreed to get married. Take a listen to Jordan Power's take on that show.
1: We all know that. And also, it's worth noting that this is a good-looking crowd of people. So, I mean, they don't know that, but it's like, even if... You make a bad choice, you're still getting a pretty good-looking person on the show. I feel like if they really wanted to see if people were really shallow, they would have contestants that would have, like, be on the other side of the partition, just no arms or legs, just burn victims. And then you know that that's real love. That you love the person despite how they look. You know, that that that's what the trials and tribulations of life are and that you would love that person and maybe enough to uh, carry them around in a wagon because you love them.
2: And joining us all the way from the great white north, please welcome Jordan Power, ladies and gentlemen. It's so nice to hear my own voice. I know it is you and I are both such narcissists. we love the sound of our own voice, yeah, absolutely. Jordan, thank you for joining us. i've probably done more preparation for this interview than any other. Oh, really? why is that? because I can't decide how I feel about you <laughs> as the as the drag queens say, you've got me feeling some type of way.
1: Oh geez, uh, well, my iTunes reviews are all fives and ones. so I, I, mean, I see that. I would say I'm polarizing. I
2: think you are polarizing and I like. All right, let's just get into it. I have this structured very carefully. Uh, let's first talk about Shame on You, mm-hmm. which is how I first discovered you. And that little bit that you that we just played was so fucking funny and so, like, what I needed at that moment in the pandemic. Like, I just was so happy that there was this stoned, funny person breaking down this ridiculous show. Uh, you decided to end that podcast, which you had co-hosted with your best friend, Brad. Yeah. And you write extensively about a guy named Ben, who I'm assuming is based on Brad.
1: And yeah, so I can't legally say that, but I mean, you can come to your own conclusion. Right. Sure.
2: And toward the end of a very funny story about your adventures with him in Colombia, you write the following. When Ben gives too much to men in his life, sometimes there's nothing left for the rest of us. We drift apart as friends though we eventually find our way back to each other. It's been that way for years. He drifted again this year, so far away that I can't write this book and pretend we'll ever be the same. Processing the loss of the person I used to speak to every day has left me traumatized on what feels like an irreparable level. That's, like,
1: pretty heavy stuff. Is it? I mean, I think it's just honest. I mean, I think I owe people an explanation for... um why things ended, but I wanted to do it in sort of a respectful way, but an honest way. And uh, it really tied in with the conclusion of that podcast to say, um, this is sort of a new chapter for me. And I'm, I I wouldn't say it was like an intentional rebrand or something like that, but just sort of this phase of my life is over. And whether that's like the talking about my personal life or my sex life, but also in time that I I think Ben and I just, I mean, it's Brad, let's be real, it's Brad. Yeah. Uh, Brad and I just, uh, we grew apart as people. And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of things transpired that aren't in that book, but, um, you know, I had to kind of explain the basis for what was um, the nexus of our friendship. And um, it was a search for emotionally unavailable men and making everything a joke and taking nothing in life, seriously, including ourselves. And I think something like that has a shelf life. Um, And so I just wanted to kind of move beyond it. It made me sad because I
2: have had similar experiences. Like I've had friendships in my life that were more intense than any romantic relationship could be, you know, and you think you're going to be with that person forever. And then it's just gone. And it's, uh, you know, it's devastating. So I actually feel, feel, I really feel for you, I guess my question is, why couldn't you continue the podcast with a different co-host?
1: I didn't want to do a gay podcast anymore. I didn't want a singular focus. I just sort of thought it was, um, it it just didn't get me up in the morning anymore. I mean, it was very one track. It was, um, I felt like I had to mind my personal life for content every week. And I was radioactive to potential dating prospects. Um, I, I just, I mean, a lot of that podcast initially before I go to therapy is basically me spiraling out of control, which I mean, the sideshows are very entertaining, but at the end of the day, um, I'm 34 years old. And so I just sort of thought like, I'm over that. I also realized with the pandemic coming that like that culture was dead, that bar scene dating sex culture had died. So our friendship was naturally dying, the, the pandemic, and then I also just didn't want to do that show anymore. Right. Um, so it was a good way to conclude it, I think, with the book. And we had gone everywhere. We had gone – I mean it was only 16 months, but we had interviewed every kind of person, not just the people in our close social sphere. But we had interviewed meth addicts, and we had interviewed men who would lived through the AIDS crisis. And we had, we had gone in so many areas that I sort of felt like the well was tapped. I get it. I have to tell you I love the book.
2: Uh, Thank you. Your writing reminds me sometimes of David Sedaris and Augustine Burroughs and a little bit of Ethan Morden. And these are all like, pe- you know, literary heroes of mine. Um, well, thank you. I laughed out loud a number of times.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I hope you a lot of people say that I people think I do it, that I mess with people's emotions because the book really is a roller coaster in the sense that one page you could be crying and the next page you could be laughing no that's my favorite
2: thing in the world i i love comedians who do that as a comedian like my favorite kind of comedians are the ones who will make you laugh and cry in the same performance i think that's a kind of genius and your book does end on a very poignant sort of important note um Whereas you think it's just going to be a collection of stories of your outrageous behavior. Like, there's a reason you're telling all these stories, and we find out at the end what that is. And, and it's, I think it's really lovely. Um, I laughed out loud when you mentioned that hospital gowns only come in one size, and that size is hippopotamus.
1: <laughs> yes, that was when I was having <laughs> surgery on my anus. Yeah, you know what? It's I have to really give a lot of credit to my editor, Emily, because um, initially I just wanted to write sort of just – debauchery of my 20s, disparate essays um, that just made people laugh. And through talking with her, I really found the through line of the book. And the theme really is love. Um, and what you see is all the characters in the book that I date, um, they try to get love in various diff- like various ways and often fail. And those characters, including Brad and I. And so it's really a d- discussion of um, a person looking for love, but most importantly, trying to start with themselves and uh that's what i tried to get by in the book Is i mean there's a natural arc uh where you probably hate me in the first couple chapters yes but you're supposed to grow to like me um and that was intentional and um you know i have people that hate my guts i have people that say i make their day and you know they love me and that's none of that's really my business i mean how people feel about me is not my responsibility i just like to be myself and i'm a really complex person and i also like to think that when I'm doing the show, um, it is me, but it's quite an exaggerated version of me um, where I'm a lot more chill and sweet in real life. And that's kind of the main feedback I get from people. They're like, oh, my God, you're not like bombastic yelling in my face. Because
2: well, the character that you create for yourself in the book, it, it, he's a very sinister character at times. He's he's seems you know, he treats other people like objects and as objects of his own entertainment. And then you have this Otis character, this monkey on your back that is like an evil id that just eggs you on to do things that are that, you know, are morally reprehensible. And there's a kind of bravery in that uh, that I really admire that you're willing to write about some really terrible things that you've done and some really bad choices that you've made. Uh, I'm the same way with with this podcast. I'm, you know, I'm an open book, and I, I have no shame about all the terrible choices I've made. And I'm a lot older than you, so you know, I don't even have the excuse of like, oh, I was in my 20s. I make bad <laughs> choices now, and I'm 50. But uh, at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks maybe what he's really doing is he's he's such a narcissist that he's seducing us into making us like him because he's this horrible person and (laughs) and maybe that's not healthy for us like this is where i start to wrestle with like how do i really feel about jordan and then i'm also aware that you're you're only telling us what you want us to know so it's all a little bit of a manipulation
1: sure i listen i mean i i think the large point i tried to hammer home in the book is that like first of all that is me in my 20s i'm 34 years old now like been through a lot of therapy i really grew up a lot but i didn't want to write the book like it was therapized like i had gone through this whole experience and you know i was looking from this vantage point and i just wrote it exactly how how it happened like people were like why do you write about uh climate getting Clement and all these things and i was like because they happened and i do really feel an obligation to gay men with that book because i didn't have a f- I didn't have a Chelsea Handler style book that I could read about drugs and sex. That wasn't available to me. So very much with shame on you and very much with my book, I thought, wow, I need to create the content I need um, as a young gay person and and that's the thing I've like filled the void for people in a lot of ways. Um, but it's funny when people say I'm a narcissist because like, I've taken tons of personality tests and stuff like that. And, and all my friends that know me say I'm like the farthest thing from that. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny. to, I guess everyone processes me through their own prism. Meaning I heard people with shame on you saying I'm the worst thing for the gay community. And then I also conversely heard people say I'm the best thing for the gay community right now. So I have to always remember that everyone's processing a person through their own Um, prism and reality and so i don't really take any of it that seriously i mean this is also the entertainment business and my job at the end of the day is to make people laugh very much so
2: because you you detail your battle with ulcerative colitis uh and so i have two questions about that one is how is your asshole right now and also is the canadian healthcare system as terrible as you make it out to be
1: It's socialized, so it lacks capacity. I mean, that's also why America could open up quicker because they had a lot, you guys have a lot more ICU beds per capita. Um, It's a very flat system, meaning that um, everybody's treated the same and um, there isn't a lot of incentives for people to take care of themselves is how I would say it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just the whole system is overloaded as it is. So I have family members that work in the system. I mean, my parents were doctors. My sister's a nurse. So I just kind of have have always had a front row seat to the system. And what I said in the book is it's – I always kind of play defense with my health because it's like you don't even want to end up in that system. So you just want to take the steps to avoid even making it to the hospital. You talk about
2: waiting on a bench while -hmm. you're bleeding from your asshole. You're you're, (laughs) You're told to sit on a bench in the hospital and wait. And while you're waiting, they pull up a dead body on a gurney next to you and leave it there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just a horror movie.
1: Well, you know what was even worse is the whole time that I was experiencing that, I was high on edibles because I had tried to wean myself off. I was basically an uh, opiate addict for, I would say, honestly, like six, seven days straight. I was just completely addicted, and I couldn't – I had to start getting off them. Well, because
2: you had an an infected asshole.
1: Yes, They they
2: had sent you home from the hospital, like, with an incomplete – a surgery or wound or whatever, and you're just suffering in your house, and you're high the whole time,
1: yeah, I mean yeah, and then, but luckily, I had my mom who is a physician, so we were texting, and then when I was really high, I did send her a picture of my asshole because it was just sort of like, I need you to tell me if this is infected or not
2: yeah, and she's a doctor <laughs> so me. so how's your how's the anus now
1: um it's fine, I mean it's just I have a chronic illness i 'll just battle it for my whole life I've really realized that um I have to deal with it with diet and i i do i do a lot of research on my own i'm very like i i I reject victimhood i hate any of that so i always try to like just get in front of it and what i've realized is like if you have a low sulfite diet um i wouldn't say it cures it but i would say it definitely helpful and treat it um so are you still able to climb sorry are you still able to bottom um. Yes, sporadically. Um. I think I'm kind. Of, I've kind of almost got a hold of it. But it it will decline as I get older. I mean, that's how this works. I mean, my chances of getting anal cancer are like I think over sixty percent now, or mm-hmm. colon cancer.
2: Well, I wish you the best with that. Uh, thank you. And and I thank you for writing about it because it's you know something that people need to know about. I've I've had I myself have had four colonoscopies in ten years. So I was sympathetic to that although here they knock us the fuck out we're not in any twilight state during our colonoscopy we are given michael jackson propofol and we are well that is conscious
1: so there's two different kinds of sedation there's general anesthetic which you're under but yeah. you're also paralyzed that would be for like a major surgery i had what's called twilight sedation which is propofol so that's where you're out of it but you're not ah. like you're not 100% out of it it's a safer way of doing it because if you give someone general anesthetic then you have to put a tube down their throat so they can breathe
2: all right, so here's where this interview is going to get um, a little cunty. Go ahead. So so I'm this big fan of yours, and I love Shame on You, and I love the book. So now you're doing this new podcast, Unmentionable, and I listened to it the other day for the first time, and I was pretty horrified to discover that you have become a right-wing conspiracy theorist who apparently thinks that mask mandates are all about the government controlling us and that Dr. Fauci is an evil genius who helped fund the creation of COVID. And I feel like this is such a total rebranding of who you are and what you're about. And I have to ask, what the fuck has happened to you?
1: Well, that's a mischaracterization of my words. I mean, definitely not. I mean, I think the uh the thing about conspiracy theories is that like uh, the vast majority of them are very stupid i've kn- I've known this for a long time you know like flatter things like that but it's crazy to me how many conspiracy theories are and end up being true um and i'm just someone who's what's been one example in- of that the cia selling drugs Th- the cia giving citizens lsd through the mk ultra program um what else uh the lab leak theory which i've talked about on my podcast for months which is now mainstream news
2: it is mainstream news there is still zero evidence of it the only reason it's mainstream news is because president biden was finally like all right i'm open to an investigation to prove that you people are all fucking morons sure let's look into this and and prove that there was that this was not made in a lab there is zero
1: evidence of that according to you (laughs) According to all legitimate sources. That's not true at all. The former head of the CDC said it's possible. Sanjay Gupta on CNN also said it's possible. Of course it's possible. Eric Weinstein said it's possible. The guy who discovered (laughs) HIV is a Nobel Prize winning scientist also said it's possible. I know you won't want to unravel your worldview when it comes to this stuff, but I think you have to understand there's a really seedy underbelly to society that most people aren't exposed to. I get that. I just also believe
2: that the simplest explanation for things is usually the correct one. And I don't believe in a deep state, which is something that wasn't even a concept until Donald Trump became president and started spouting off about it. The deep state, as as people call it, is really just a bunch of bureaucrats who have who are good at their job, who've had their job for decades and who we need because they're the only ones who know how shit works they don't have an agenda other than to keep the country running
1: i would completely disagree with you and when i mean you, that, i mean that was the whole basis for the, them saying that we had to go into the iraq war because the iraq war was r- no, real
2: no the iraq war was based on faulty intelligence that the bush administration demanded be manufactured there was never where did any, it come
1: from the intelligence community
2: but but he he pressured he just the intelligence community. He pressured that. the intelligence. Let's 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 stay on COVID. Okay, let's stay on COVID for now because we only have like five minutes left. Doctor Fauci has been around a long time. He's been the director of the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases for forty years. Nobody ever suggested that Doctor Fauci was anything other than a dedicated public servant. And, a, and, a, and, a, and a, you know, an esteemed epidemiologist until Trump became president and then suddenly and COVID hit. And then suddenly Fauci is this like evil demon who's profiting off the disease and who helped create the disease and who's putting out these mask mandates that have no. The man has a track record of dealing with diseases that have kept Americans safe for 40 years. I would not be alive were it not for the life-saving HIV medications that Dr. Fauci oversaw the development of. So how are we supposed to believe that suddenly he's a villain just because Donald Trump says he is?
1: Well, I, 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 think, you, I think you're seeing this. It's interesting when you say I'm, like, right-wing. I mean, I'm, I've actually probably voted liberal most times. I don't see the world on a left and right prism. I actually think that's very juvenile i see the world as um elite and underclass so i don't consider it to be a politicized thing but i will say the u.s has been funding gain-of-function research in china and when dr fauci has been grilled about it he has kind of skirted around it kind of said i don't know and now it's all kind of coming out i mean you have to understand that, like, it's not just it's not just an attack on Fauci. Anyone that's in the government for a long period of time eventually becomes morally compromised. You think to some power degree. just corrupts people over time? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think. Again, I, I'm sure there's conservatives that are super um, shady. I'm sure there's liberals that are super shady. I just kind of have spent decades reading about this stuff and understanding that wars are usually about funding the military industrial complex true I mean, raytheon is a publicly traded company that means you can buy shares in a company that funds wars in the middle east now if you are that company how do you keep getting revenue well you keep going into wars and those wars are backed by biden obama trump george bush so I, to see it's like left and right, I would say it's definitely just um, the people that pull the strings in this world are not the people like the Fauci's or even the Joe Biden's or the Trump. It's the people funding those people. I and agree so with I you. think when you dig further, you, you'll understand. But I, do, so,
2: but I do look at people's records and I do look at what have they accomplished in the past and have they generally been right more often than they've been wrong? And when you look at Doctor Fauci, there's no question which side of that line he falls on. And when you look at Donald Trump and the other people who are demonizing, but why are are you demonizing... Like I'm a Trump fan. Be, be, I mean, this well, is kind of the, the in your argument. That's you're the thing. Put... I know you're not, Jordan. You're trying the... to put
1: me in some right wing no. box. I'm just a. I, I just uh, question authority, and I'm anti-establishment. But I hear you talking state. about I'm I'm how.
2: I hear you talking about how masks don't do, don't work, and that they're I just a form of government control. A...
1: No, no, no. I said. If you really want full protection, you need a fitted N95 mask. That's the position of Dr. Fauci. Yes, but any
2: mask is better than no mask when it comes I've to stopping the spread. I've said that many times
1: on my show. Uh, mask can give you any, the protection can be anywhere from 35% to 90%. So my exact words on my show have been, uh, if you should wear a mask, of course it's giving you a level of protection. But you have to understand, if the mask is 50% and you wear a mask for a year and a half, you are being exposed hundreds and hundreds of times to COVID. I, I'm so, sorry to, cu- I'm so sorry to cut you
2: off. I really want us to continue this. Will you come back on the show another time? Yeah, I'll come back anytime. Because I really, I, I find you very interesting. I know that you're smart. I think you have a lot of, of important things to say. How can people follow you online, Jordan? Uh, JPowerComedy on all social media. Thank you for doing the show. Thanks for having me.
3: I appreciate it. Read the book, okay. you guys. You'll enjoy it. Ryan and JB, plug yourselves, please. You can follow me. Uh, at Ryan Frosting with an N on Instagram and Twitter.
0: You can follow me at Stalking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram. And please, again, help me out refresh uh, in my apartment, <laughs> sent um, some gift cards, some Tatar J. Yes. Thank,
2: Thank you so both much. so much. Thank you, Jordan Power. Tune in next week to hear a brand new ass with our very special guest, Andrew Gerza, the host of Disability After Dark. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. Email me your dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches.
3: Bye.